0: Hate skull. I am Ella Mark Harley, and you are watching the Haters Will Say podcast, and haters will say, oh, I'm just watching this because it sucks and I don't even like it. But in reality, if you're watching the 16th episode all the way through, you're just a fan now. Got him! What's up, people and people peopleettes? My name is Mark Harley, in case you didn't know, and you're in for the ride of your life. It's January of 2022, and I'm looking forward to to February of 2022, when it's gonna be 222, right? February 22nd in um, 2022, and it's also gonna be a Tuesday, so that's an extra two, all right? So let's just all set our sights on that and kind of, invigorate ourselves psychologically because when we look forward to really fun things, it actually can help our overall happiness. Okay. So that's my tip to you free of charge, get over it. I just do things like that because I'm generous. So I have a confession to make right off the bat. (sighs) I lied to you last week's episode. Um, you know, I made it seem like I recorded it and released it, um, a week after I recorded the last episode before that, but in reality, I recorded two back to back. ooh, don't get mad at me. I'm sorry. Oh no. Okay, secret. So I just it'd been eating me up this entire time, so I just wanted to make sure to come clean with you guys. I, I recorded two episodes back to back so that I could go visit my brother and his wife and his two kids, his two young children, <coughs> Catherine and Richard. <coughs> named after my dead father, it's whatever, you know what I mean, you can you can make fun of that if you want, you can think, oh, that's that's so stupid of my brother to continue on, uh, you know, this painful memory of my father's death with your son's name, but I actually, I think it's cool, so, you know, drop your opinion in the comments section below, do you think that's a shitty thing to do, to name your kid after your dead father who hasn't even met him, or not? Give me your hot take. So I went out to Rhode Island. Shout out Short Kings. I actually met up with uh Christian and Gianni. We got a lift in. Is that the most important part about what happened? No, it's just that haters are saying we weren't going to meet up and then we did. So there's another L for you haters to hold. Um <laughs> I have to say Christian your dad is one of I mean it, You set it up that way, right? I don't think anybody's like denying who has met him or if you're framing into a conversation, you're not like, oh, this is a boring, unfunny guy. But let's just say my expectations were met and exceeded with uh, with Christian and Gianni's dad because he's both very smart and very hilarious and sounds like an Italian guido. You know what I mean? So he's talking a mile a minute. He's like, let me tell you about the security thing that we're doing, uh, this new application that's using this advanced technology. Like, you know, he'll talk your ear off for, uh, you know, an hour at a time about the technology that he's developing. I mean, I don't want to go too into it because I you know it's kind of top secret. Um, but like, he conveyed to me that he's a very smart guy who has amazing ideas, is an entrepreneur, and seems to know quite a bit about tech. We talked about cryptocurrency and all these different things, but like, I got a real kick out of him. It. it was cool to see your house, um, and meet your mom, and just, uh, you know, meet your other secret bro- brother, Big Maga, is that his name? <laughs> yeah. It's Alex though, right? Yeah. Big Maga. Uh-huh, we discussed conspiracies for a little bit, didn't we? He actually, you know, he. I, I will say this. Um, he gave me some insight into the the Las Vegas shooting conspiracy. I had never heard that. And I was, re- like, when he started going in and I'm like, oh, I'm ready for a bunch of BS about this. But his theory was what that, um, or not his theory, but the, the thing that he was asking about or talking about um, was that it was an assassination attempt, like, on some sort of Middle Eastern, like a Saudi prince or something like that, but it was like the shooting was like a distraction in order to like get him, but it didn't work out. And I was like, okay, at least there's a motive there. At least there's like something I can wrap around rather than, for example, anytime somebody's like false flag attack, I just am super skeptical of anything being a false flag in America perpetrated by the government to take away your guns because I just don't see that ever happening. And then, you know, like for what? You know, as if the military couldn't overtake any group of armed citizens that they need to, like, have a false flag. And then if it comes out, like, if it's unsuccessful, because, like, (laughs) all these false flags, like, but people still have guns. So, like, I guess, you know, if there's been any false flags, they've been wildly unsuccessful. And then you also are carrying the risk now that that comes out later. And it's like, oops. Yeah, we just, like, killed a 100 people for no reason. Oops. Um... But, yeah, that was really cool to meet you guys and (laughs) to meet your family. It was also cool to see my nephew, as I mentioned before, named Richard. He'd only seen me, well, we'd met before, but he didn't remember me because he was so young. So um, he'd only seen me on the TV playing Stump on Nickelodeon. So I got to do the cute thing where he's like, you don't sound like you do on the TV. And I'm like, you mean if I talk like this? Yeah, that's it. So, very cute. Got to spend Christmas with them because um, you only get so many cute kid Christmases, right? Before they grow up. <laughs> um, so, saw Catherine Richard. And then I drove cross country in a Prius that uh, I bought off my brother because I needed a new car. And, you know, Priuses get great gas mileage. So, off to the races. I procrastinated for a few days. I'm, yeah, the stand of the day, stand of the day. Um, And until finally, I just, I had to leave and went down, you know, through Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, um, Missouri, through the top of Texas. Oh, Oklahoma as well. New Mexico, Arizona, the north of Arizona through Flagstaff and into California. So um, was Vegas in there? No, it was uh, Nevada. I'm not sure. We'll look it up, but I... (coughs) will say this it was extremely cold through texas and new mexico the only difficulties i have as as far as driving were uh, in snowstorms across the north of texas and across new mexico 15 degrees big wind big snow uh you know you had a little trouble breaking one time ahead of somebody and had to like swerve off the road um Uh, and actually when my brother was, this is on my mind because I'm like, oh shit, this is about to happen to me because I, my brother picking me up from the airport (laughs) on our way back to the house hit somebody in snow. Um, One of those slow motion things where you're like, you're, you know, you hit some ice and, like, you're, you're 30 feet away from somebody. And you start breaking, like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. And somebody's to your left so you can't, like, swerve into them. And you're trying to honk, but, you know, a honk isn't going to alert somebody to be like, hey, I'm sliding in snow. You need to move forward right now into the uh, crosswalk or else I'm going to hit you. So, <clears throat> you know, it just sucks. It's this thing where it's like, oh, hey, I'm going to hit you. Uh, and then you can't control it and it's, like, just hits you hard enough to dead something so similar thing on the freeway like i'm breaking and but luckily there was nothing to my left so i got to pull off to the side a little bit but it was scary okay it was scary dude um so that's what i was doing and now i'm back live in california not faking a new episode being done in a similar chronological fashion it's all the last one so <laughs> that pretty much covers that i wanted to talk about something that came on my radar as i expand the show into more pop culture stuff just because this like I don't follow football, but Antonio Brown, (laughs) our friend Antonio, who I also don't, I guess guess is a big player, but I don't follow, like I will watch football. I played football in high school and college and know enough about the sport that I can enjoy it uh, without knowing any of the narratives, uh, any of the the stats or what's going on in the season to add to the drama of any individual game. This caught my eye in a group chat they sent out this list of stuff that he'd done because you know his antics catch your attention. For the fact that he's going, uh, you know, he undressed and left the sideline of a game during a Bucks game, and that makes headlines. But you're like immediately curious. Okay, what was the what was the context of this? And you know, he said he wasn't going to play, or he said he was injured, and the Bucks you know management or coaching said go to the locker room then so like it wasn't totally clear like he said they said kind of thing but I guess the bigger context the more informative context for me was the things that he's done in the past and so I'm going to ask you because part of me feels bad about making somebody who's uh, you know uh, making light of somebody who's potentially very mentally ill but at the same time I think that blends together when we're talking about you know somebody with uh, elements of, like, narcissistic personality disorder or just some other type of grandiose, exploitative, um, y- y- you know, traits, uh, lacking in empathy, whatever you want to call that, however you get there, but obviously people can be affected by wealth, fame, and power negatively to the point that they, uh, you know, behave as if there are no consequences. So that puts you on that kind of spectrum of of NPD uh, but I'm not saying obviously I can't diagnose him, but you know only a professional um, mental a mental health professional, a psychologist or or a psychiatrist of some sort would would offer true insight to that after working one on one. But here's a list of things that I thought were fascinating in his history: kicked out of Florida International University after fighting a security guard, trashed a condo and threw furniture out the window of a 14th floor condo which almost hit people notably a child killed a home aquarium full of piranhas and refused to pay the man who installed the tank so how quickly did that happen like the installation came and then he like immediately killed them and was this his decision was this somebody else's decision to get only piranhas um i find that really funny and eccentric in and of itself that he's just like all piranhas dude (laughs) Uh, he dyed his mustache blonde which could be cool or not, you know, depending on what you're going for. But in the context of this, I guess his eccentricity, um, you know, uh, bordering on harmful to other people. It's just this little, this little data point in the midst of all this, uh, you know, a crazy sea of other antics. Refused to pay a chef because he thought he threatened him by placing a fish head in the freezer. The fish head was saved to make soup. He farted on a doctor. He liked a tweet about Mayock getting, I guess there's a a context to this one about Mayock, um, which I'll get back to. He tweeted a couple of bizarre tweets about the Raiders using him for HBO ratings and the Patriots trying to steal his stuff and kept using this weird chicken-based metaphor. Tried out for the Saints and brought an entourage and film crew to shoot a music video with him when specifically told not to do that. They're like, whatever you do, when you try it here, do not shoot a music video, okay? Are we clearing these? No, 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 no no music video, dude. We got this. Like, there's definitely not going to be a music video shooting that's crazy. Like, I'm just here to try out for the Saints, obviously. No entourage, no nothing. It's just me. Like, no, no, you, you can rest easy tonight. There's literally no music video plans whatsoever. And then he shows up and he's like, psych, <laughs> got you. You've been punked. Called out Robert Kraft for his rub and tug massage session in Florida. Was he playing for the Patriots at that point? Maybe that would be like the, you know, the thing that makes it even more awkward. Um, Calling out your boss for paying for hand jobs Before he signed with the Buccaneers, AB was accused of destroying a surveillance camera at a Florida gated community, throwing a bike at a security guard shack, and is not charged because HOA president feared retaliation, per police report. Um, Allegedly acquired a fake COVID-19 card. Oh, my God. That's the worst thing of all. How dare he? Lock him up right now. Uh, Starting training for a boxing match with Logan Paul, tweeted, no more white women, 2020. (laughs) Um, A police youth football league cut ties with him and returned a donation after the release of the video saying there was an irreparable rift between the department and AB. Uh, Was involved in in a dispute with movers at his home where he allegedly threw rocks at the movers and moving vans. He's currently being investigated for battery from the police. Um, Shut up to Rainer's This is the funniest one to me. Shut up to Raiders training camp in a hot air balloon. <laughs> Held out and refused to show up to training camp because the NFL would not approve his helmet because it was too old for their safety standards. So what did he show up with? One of those like leather ones with no face mask um, from the 1920s. Tried to paint over his old helmet, hoping no one would notice, I guess. Acquired a newer version of the same model helmet, which the NFL refused to let him use. Uh, here's the Mike Mayock one. Tried to fight Ma- Mike Mayock, called him a cracker, had to be held back by Vontae- Vontaze Burfict then-, Vontaz then punted a football down the practice field and said, fine me for that. Got fined for that. And then I guess liked a tweet later about Mike Mayock getting raped in the ass. So, finally, this is the one that probably made me laugh the most. He threw a bag of gummy candy dicks at the cops in a video he posted. But as we were saying earlier, Casey, um, who hasn't done that? Who hasn't thrown a bag of gummy bear dicks at a police officer? Um, But it just goes to show you that old adage is true. If you live in a glass house, you shouldn't throw a bag of gummy dicks at the cops, you know, Um, because they will... Stick to the windows of the glass house. Then you have gummy dicks everywhere. Okay, so that's it for SUPFUL. I, I hope you got a good laugh out of that. And let me know in the comments whether you think that Antonio Brown is suffering from mental health issues or suffering from narcissistic personality disorder brought on by Wealth, Fame, and Power. Or if you believe those two things are interrelated and you could say somebody who has NPD is actually suffering from mental health issues and we should sympathize for that person. Let me know what you think. All right, so we got another hater of the week. Now, um, a lot of people have been sending me and tagging me in this clip, okay? And thank you for doing that. Thanks for bringing this to my attention because it seems as though the guy who I had beef with, who I squashed the beef with, is now trying to beef with me again in a subliminal fashion. He's not calling out my name, but I think it's pretty clear that he's aiming these barbs at your boy, Hella Carly. Harley. So let's run the tape here. Nobody tell Jack the guys, hey, guy, you look awful the fucking haters be like, oh, Chris, you're just jealous. Right, well, I work out. Your boy keeps it beefy. I'm breaking strong guys' hearts all across the country, well into the UK. It's crazy that when big-ass muscular dudes walk into places that people don't audibly go, ew, or at least, whoa! Alright, so let's just break that down for a second. Um, This is going to be a different Hater of the Week because Chris, I just wanted to say, first of all, I thought we were cool. And then you're talking about haters. You're talking about big guys looking horrible. I think um, it's pretty safe to say you meant me. And I'll, I'll tell you this, maybe you should have some more compassion for people who are so addicted to lifting weights and taking steroids that they deliberately put themselves in a position where they look atrocious to the rest of the human population. Now, if you ask them directly, you know, do you know you look awful? They might not be able to admit it. They might not be ready to have that conversation. But the fact is, deep down, we know it doesn't look good. But you're going to have the same effect going up to somebody who's like addicted to meth and going like, do you know you look like you're on drugs? Do you know you look emaciated? Do you know your, your face is full of zits? Do you know you have rashes all over your body? Do you know you're picking at open scabs all over your, your chest? Do you know that? They're not gonna be like, oh my God, you're right, I'm gonna stop. Because the drugs and the psychosis are much more powerful than the judgment of the average person watching them. It's an addiction, it's a psychological problem. A lot of people who lift weights develop something called bigorexia, okay? It's like anorexia, but the opposite. Anorexic people look at themselves in the mirror. <clears throat> And they see a fat person, even though they're super skinny. And so somebody who's bigorexic, like me, looks in the mirror and sees Dakota Fanning at 10 years old, okay? Now, (sighs) I'm never going to be able to get big enough. No matter how big I get, I'm always going to look in the mirror and think, that motherfucker is skinny. He's a little bitch, you know? And it has nothing to do with me getting picked on as a kid, for example, as other people suggested, like, you know, Sure, I I, at some point I was actually skinny, but you know, I was 6'3, 220 by the time I played, uh, you know, football in high school as a senior, whatever. It's totally irrelevant, but it's not about like I'm getting picked on and then I have to overcompensate, right? It's just a sickness that develops because you like doing something, right? You start out like doing meth. I mean, the first time you do it, it's fun. The first time you increase your bench press, it's fun. The first time you put on a shirt and it's a little bit tighter than the last time you put on, it's fun. But then you take it too far. And it's something that can require years of psychological uh, uh, you know, help and therapy to unwind. And not everybody's willing to do that because a lot of people who um, <coughs> might suffer from a condition like this are spending all their money on supplements and steroids. So they don't have any money for psychological professional help. So all I'm asking you, Chris, hater of the week, is to maybe have some empathy for the people that you're attacking and realize, yeah, on some level, they do know that they look awful. And maybe you should start with a conversation like, hey man, what if you were like a little bit smaller? Can you picture that? Should we start there? I love you no matter how big you are or how small you are. And you know what? (laughs) If you lost 15 pounds of muscle, You'd look great to me, and then you give him a big hug, and a smooch. Bigorexia soft. You're welcome. For this week's Bro Science Academy, I wanted to talk to you guys about stuff that involves bros and science in an academic fashion. Uh, I actually wanted to continue with the trend of the last episode of giving you guys some example workouts and how I think about specific. Programming um, in a couple different examples. First of all, you know, I want to continue to give people uh, who may not have access to a gym or might be traveling like me. Here's an example of a workout that I might do in a hotel room in Amarillo, Texas. By the way, when I arrived in Amarillo, Texas, I remember getting, you know, I checked in super late and the lady at the hotel was just me and her in the lobby. And I'm like, hey, do you have any rooms tonight? She's like, yeah. And she's like, where are you coming from? I'm like, "Uh, you know, Rhode Island, all the way to California. And she immediately goes, I couldn't do it. I couldn't live in California. As if I was like, could you ever live in California? And she's like, no, I just couldn't do it. But that's like the attitude that people have about, like, as soon as you bring up California, you're like, I'm out, dude. Any mention of it, and I've had that happen multiple times, mostly in Texas, like, you'll, the, the word California will come up, and people in Texas are like, wah, 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 couldn't do it, don't fucking force me to move there, I will freak the fuck out and shoot everyone in this elevator. <laughs> so, it's just an interesting phenomenon. Go to Texas and see if it's, uh, you know, just like drop it back, oh yeah, back in California, and people are just like, spontaneously start puking everywhere. Um, it's an issue, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I totally get it. You know, besides the, uh, the mountains and the, and the beach and the sunshine, sure, there's a lot of homeless people and rents like a million dollars a month. <clears throat> so, anyway, let's say this could be a theoretical workout that I do in a hotel room, right? Full body. You're like, oh my God, I only got to work out one time this week, and instead of being a total piece of shit uh, while I'm on the road, I'm going to do one workout um, in a hotel room that'll take less than 30 minutes, that'll hit my entire body, make me sweat, get those endorphins going, and generally make me feel good with literally zero equipment, save for what would be in a normal room. Like if you're living you know, in a room that has no furniture whatsoever and no bed and you're literally sleeping on the floor uh, you know, on top of a blanket or something, sure, you would need a chair. Um, but this assumes you have a chair. First off, I want you to start with a uh, three round rest pause to failure set of either some, some sort of push exercise. For me, the reps work out so that I can do like a handstand pushup against a wall. Um, something around, let's say, you know, my first set might be 20 reps to failure. Now this could also be pushups for you. It could be push-ups with your feet elevated. It could be pike push-ups where you're bending over at the waist. It could be feet elevated pike push-ups with your feet on the bed or on a chair. But I want you to do uh, a broken set of three uh, rest-pause sets where you go to failure in the first one, then you wait 15 deep breaths or about 40 seconds, and then you do another set to failure, and then you take 15 more deep breaths, and then you do another set to failure. So let's say I do the handstand push-ups, I do about 20, take the 15 breaths. I do about 12 the next set, take the 15 breaths, and then I do about six or eight, right? You've gotten a failure three times, you've stimulated some growth, um, you've got things off in a really intense way. And then the rest of the time that you're doing these rounds, you don't have to go to failure per se, but you at least got something in where you're going to failure and pushing it to a 10, where you couldn't do one more rep, gun to head. And again, choose the level of variation for a push movement uh, specifically push because we don't have a pull-up bar in the hotel room, in this theoretical hotel room. Um, uh, so, you know, anywhere from push-ups on your knees, if that's where you're at, to handstand push-ups or, or freestanding handstand push-ups with one arm if you're that strong. Now, from then on, you're going to do a full body circuit that would involve a push, a, uh, a pull, even though, uh, you know, it's not, it's not going to be like a pull-up, um, but you do a push, a pull, a squat, a hinge, and an ab. So three rounds of this. Push-ups. See if you can hit 20 push-ups. Put your leg up on a chair, and each side, you're going to do a split squat <coughs> into, for each rep, a Romanian deadlift. Really, it's just hinging over at your hips, but you let your balance foot come off as you reach forward and touch your toes using your glutes, and your hamstrings, so that's one rep, right? You squat down and then you come up and you bend over at the waist and engage your glutes and hamstrings, stretch to touch your toe and come up. So you get the squat and the hinge in one movement. Do 10 to 20 reps, wherever you start to feel that burn, on each side, right? So that covers your push, your squat, and your hinge. Then you go down to the floor, hit some reverse crunches, right? So you're leaning back, you're in a V position on the floor, you bring your knees to your chest And then when you extend your legs all the way, and by the way, you're using like your hands behind your butt, you know, to support yourself in that general area to balance. When you stretch all the way out, I want you to pause for a one count, for a two count, wherever you're at. And if the crunches are tough enough on their own, you don't need to do it. But if if you're like a little more advanced, pause with your feet outstretched completely. It's going to make it really hard. Hit 20 of those if you can. 20 pause reverse crunches actually will be pretty tough for most people. <clears throat> and then to finish it off, you're going to do a push up list burpee. So you're basically going to be from a standing position, touch the ground with your hands, kick out into a plank position, and immediately kick back into that bent-over position, right? And I'm counting that as a pulling exercise because one thing you'll notice when you do high rep Burpees is that that position that you're in where you you um, explosively uh, you know have weight on your hands and you bring your feet up to your hands you're actually engaging your lats right so if you do you know three hundred burpees in a row or whatever you're gonna have really sore lats afterwards for most people um, so I'm counting that you know and it also hits your abs really well but if you if you you know drive pressure into your hands and pull your feet. Uh, from that plank position into the standing but bent over position, it's going to work your lats. That covers your whole body, right? You're going to take minimal rest in between each of those exercises and then two minutes of rest in between rounds and hit three rounds. So to recap, the rest, pause, handstand push-ups. Then we're going to do a circuit of push-ups followed by reverse crunches followed by um, Uh, single leg split squats into RDLs, followed by the push upless burpees. And there you go. Instantly, you're buff. You're welcome. Also wanted to talk about examples of a chest workout that I do because some people will ask me this stuff and I'll say, sure, I can help you out. I do different chest workouts each week. I also sometimes train people who I work in with, right? So this is an example of Um, for me, my chest is a lagging body part. So I'll add extra volume and just do a chest workout on my own. Um, and if your chest doesn't get really big, just from bench press, a lot of people do respond really well to barbell bench press or incline. You might have to add a few supplementary, um, exercises to your chest workout to really activate all the fibers. And specifically with me, because I have this recurring shoulder issue, um, Certain fibers don't like fire. Like I'll notice, you know, if I just do barbell bench, I'm overcompensating with my strong side because there's some structural damage that makes it weaker. But also like an impingement will literally prevent fibers from firing all the way through my pec in certain areas. So I have to be more careful about actually, uh, you know, making sure that I'm in the stretched and contracted position through various angles to Uh, work the things that just aren't firing from particular positions. So here's what I do uh, that's like a template because it does switch up every time. I might do the same chest workout once every three or four times, but yesterday I went in, I started with incline bench. I did a reverse pyramid, incline, barbell, bench. Uh, I warm up to my top set. I do a set to failure between five and seven reps. I drop down about 15% and do a set of failure for about, six to eight or nine reps then I drop down another 15% and try to do a you know let's say a 10 to 15 rep set to failure now you would probably get growth for if you really push that intensity you would get growth and stimulus just from that and the incline bench is great for chest but I don't stop there do I then I'll alternate if I start with incline That'll match it with something on flat, right? So if I were starting on a flat bench, I might go to an incline fly with dumbbells. And notice how I also, throughout this workout, I incorporate barbells, dumbbells, uh, machines, uh, machines that use both arms pushing the weight equal, and also isolateral machines that where the arms move independently. So I go into flat flies using dumbbells. The way that I do it also. I accentuate the stretch in the bottom. I even bring my hands up a little bit towards my ears. I rotate my thumbs uh, toward my body and get an extra little stretch there and then come up here and imagine I'm hugging somebody (coughs) as I'm doing it so my arm doesn't collapse on the weak side specifically. I push up and imagine that I'm hugging somebody. And once I fail on that specific weight, after let's say 10, I do a few more reps with a stretched dumbbell press so now I'm just putting the weight to my sides and I'm going to failure again with the dumbbells from a stretch position, right? So I'm not, not bringing it so close in here that my body and my chest actually physically prevents me from going deeper. I'm bringing the weights right to my side, getting a deep stretch and pushing up from there. I will incorporate a machine like a flat you know, bench machine where you're seated, it's just a horizontal press, right? So I'm doing that and still using relatively heavy weights in the range of about eight to failure. Do two to three sets there, make sure I'm pausing, coming up, I'm not bouncing, never bounce the weight on a stack or anything like that, but I just want a full range of motion, bring it back, take a big breath, <gasps> expand my chest so that I'm initiating the movement from my chest because my chest is stretched at the beginning of the movement do three sets there and then yesterday i was looking i was like i wanted to do some cable crossovers but somebody's always in the cable crossover area like doing something on one side versus the other so that's another principle is that i always stay flexible right i never go in there with one idea and say well i have to do it so i'm gonna wait even though it might take 20 minutes i never let the flow of my workout be interrupted because i always am willing to throw in uh alternates you know so never i think if you're looking if efficiency is a big thing for you Don't get stuck up on a particular exercise. If the cable crossovers, um, which is an exercise I love because you can adjust your range of motion as you're going through, again, especially when you have problem areas uh, and you need to really focus on that mind muscle connection to finish off the muscle after doing your big movers and your compound movements. I love the cable crossover because it allows the freedom of range of motion, but a secondary choice is the pec deck, right? I'll make little adjustments on it. Like instead of grabbing the handles, I'll grab the bars that come down, right? Something about it, I don't know. But you got to pimp that machine out like it's your bottom bitch and make it work for you, okay? So that's an example of a four exercise, three sets each, 12 sets total, something you might hit twice and still be within that range of, um, you know, uh, ideal volume for the week of, you know, roughly around 20. You can adjust that if you're a beginner. You know, you can either take an exercise out and do three sets, uh, three exercises of uh, three sets, or maybe you want to do the four exercises and and do two each to failure or close to failure within um, two to three reps of failure would still be effective for you. So try it out. And for every one of those workouts, just know that I'm going, I got a couple isolations and a couple compound movements, right? Uh, A barbell, a dumbbell, a machine. Uh, a machine that allows me individual range of motion. So if you hit all those things and swap out for different angles, like the cable crossovers could be from a lower angle coming high to work the upper fibers more. Uh, The machine that you use could be a dip machine, like a tricep pushdown machine where you're leaning forward to really stretch out your chest and also use... Uh, you know, use the movement again, pimp it out to work your chest rather than just your triceps. Is it starting to make sense? Is this something that you want to hear more about? How do I work out when I'm isolating actual body parts, right? When I'm not just doing a straight up push, pull legs or upper body, lower body and keeping it all simple. How do I do a high volume bodybuilding style workout? If you want to know more, drop a comment down below with the body part that you want to hear about. Oh boy, oh boy. I'm going to put my chef hat on for a second and bring you another hella chef Harley to fucks wit. Okay, so people have been asking, people always ask about the keto diet, right? And I'm just going to show you an example of me when I got ripped using keto, um, what I was actually eating on a day-to-day basis. Now, I'm not saying this is the right way to do it. I'm not saying this is the strictest way to do it because I think I have uh, more carbs than would typically be recommended. Um, the breakdown that I had for my ketogenic diet that I would just eat the same thing every single day, workout fasted, uh, and then eat this immediately afterwards, like 10 o'clock or something like that. And then also go on a run, do some sort of cardio before my second meal. This is what I ate to get down to a really low body fat, let's say about 8%. I would eat for breakfast, breakfast, quote, unquote, my first meal of the day. I would eat 12 ounces of New York Strip, five eggs, two tablespoons of A1 steak sauce, two cups of spinach, one cup of broccoli, one whole avocado, And five pieces of thick sliced bacon. Mark, that sounds like an enormous amount of food. Well, it is. 1,700 calories, though. So maybe it sounds like more with the steak and the eggs and the bacon and and the avocado, but it's not that much, right? If you were to just eat that one meal, you know, most people would lose weight on that. If you're like under 200 pounds, you know, you would lose weight very rapidly on that meal. The great thing about keto is it's super satiating. So that meal right there would fill me up. You know, for the next six or seven hours, I wouldn't feel like, oh, my God, I'm getting really hungry. Like, you're full and you're satisfied without feeling bloated. I think that's one of the benefits of keto is that all that protein, all that fat, and you're combining, you know, fiber as well from the vegetables. Um, It was a satisfying meal that I could repeat every single day, and I didn't really get tired of it for months because steak tastes good. The second meal that I would have, but basically it's a protein shake with a bunch of extra shit in it. (laughs) Um, So here we go. Okay, so I would use three scoops of gold standard whey from Costco, 330 calories. A cup of frozen blueberries, 70 calories. Two tablespoons peanut butter, 190 calories. 50 almonds, you don't have to count them out, but it's like two small fistfuls, about two ounces. Um, That's 347 calories. And then a cup of unsweetened vanilla almond milk, mix that with a bunch of ice, and drink that as a gigantic, hearty, fat-filled, delicious shake. Now, that's only 967 calories. So, my total calories for the day were 2,700, and as a guy who was weighing upwards of 230 pounds, that put me in a pretty good deficit, especially given the exercise that I was doing, high-intensity exercise, um, at least once a day and then running up a hill or doing a small flat run, um, towards the end of the day, that was enough to put me in a big deficit, keep me lean while also continuing my strength gains. So I made really good strength progress as well. Perhaps not ideal, but I was getting stronger. So tell me your experience with the keto diet. Do you think 70 grams of carbs is too much? Am I not in ketosis? Oh my God. And see, that's the thing. Like, you don't, I don't, think you have to necessarily be in ketosis to benefit from this type of diet i've done carbs like a little bit lower even though it's not keto like at 150 right and noticed similar effects it's just one way to go about things it could be low carb and not necessarily keto or keto inducing and also the activity level that you do is going to have an effect on that as well um so i want you to put your experience down there (laughs) One thing that I noticed actually counterintuitively because people will always be like, oh, meat is the thing that gives you like, you know, oh, I ate all this meat and I'm shitting. Really when I cut out carbs and specifically processed carbs because that's really what you're noticing in this diet. It's it's only vegetables and the almonds and, uh, you know, the blueberries that are a source of carbohydrates in there. There's no processed carbohydrates whatsoever. I noticed that my stools became really hard and regular. I'm gonna be real with you, this is TMI, but I almost never had to wipe my ass. It would be a ghost shit, I would go to wipe, and I wouldn't see anything in there, okay? And it was kinda cool, because you save money on toilet paper. So that's all you need to know, is keto, counterintuitively, will help you save money on toilet paper, and if the pandemic starts raging again, you know what to do. Start eating keto, and start having those clean shits. All right, we got another sauce, you're not. This time we're looking at a guy that I discovered myself. He came up on my Instagram feed named Johnny Hollywood. Underscore Johnny, underscore Hollywood. This guy is pretty ripped. You wanna click on that IG profile, there we go. So, I thought this guy would be an interesting one to do because he's an example of somebody who's claiming Natty in his bio, right? And at first glance at him, I mean, he's like really lean. He has really great insertions and all these things. He doesn't necessarily look natty or I think he wouldn't look natty to many people looking at him um, because he's got a phenomenal physique. I just wanted to analyze some of the things that I look at and go, actually, this guy could be natural um, because of some observations that I have. So when you look at his IG Nowadays, it's a lot of pictures of him looking really lean, like his triceps are feathered, meaning he has like striations in his triceps up here. I think he has disproportionately big arms compared to a lot of people, which is always something that I think makes you look not natty, right? If you're sort of blessed with big triceps or big biceps naturally compared to other body parts, it makes you look unnatural. Uh, He also has a sort of wide chest, like, just the frame of his chest in and of itself, as we can see here, um, is very wide compared to his waist. So that's another ratio that, you know, if you have, like, a bird chest and wide hips, you're probably not going to get accused of being unnatural anytime soon. But when you have those things going on, it creates this illusion that your chest is even bigger, right? And that your lats are even bigger, when really that's just your bone structure, um, creating that illusion now you still have to get ripped like this guy you still have to put in that work but one of the things to note is um, it's often talked about in these natty or not discussions the deltoids people who are on heavy anabolics and specifically androgens really strong androgens like trenbolone. you look at their shoulders and their shoulders tend to look disproportionately big or they grow more over time because uh it's said to be a result of the androgen receptors in your shoulders and in your trap area or in your neck uh, region, the yoke region, if you will, that uh, respond to steroids even more than other areas of your body. So when you look at somebody like his biceps are disproportionately big, does he have the biggest shoulders? And those are some body parts that I've noticed when you cut down, you tend to lose volume in your shoulders when you're natural, right? So I look at that and go, okay, his shoulders are very well developed, but... Do they look unnatural? No, they don't. Um, now, I also, there's some other pictures. If we click back to the file, I wanted to show that picture right there because here's him. They always recognize the results but neglect the journey uh, that brought you to where you are almost five years in the making. Here we see a picture of him. If he's 21 now and that was, uh, did we say five years ago? Uh, no, six years Right. So he here's he is at 15. If you're looking like this at 15, well, you've got a genetic advantage on most people, just as far as your shape, just as far as your insertions, just as far as your, uh, you know, the number of muscle cells you're naturally carrying around. I don't know. I don't know how much training went into this per se, but if you look like that at 15, it's not going to surprise me when at 21 you're looking like a competitive bodybuilder on stage, Um there's another pick right below that. You know what? There's, there's, yes. So we see him now. That's the transformation pick. We see he's, it's not necessarily that crazy, right? You can tell he's put on a good deal of muscle. Maybe he's gotten 15 pounds more muscular. Maybe he's, uh, you know, dropped a few percentage points, but he already had abs in the first pick, and now they're just really lean. Um, so let's say, you know, it'd be interesting to see what his weight was, but I, my guess is 15 to 20 pounds of muscle, and dropping about 10 pounds of fat. So it's possible he only weighs like five or 10 pounds more in that second pick than he does in the first pick. The other telling thing was a picture that I saw from 2019 at the bottom there where he's got a little bit of body fat. So my assumption is back in 2019, he was bulking, right? We see what that subtle increase in body fat, if you go from like eight to even like 13% or 15%, where you can kind of see abs, but they're not super clear He probably has the same amount of muscle in that picture, but without the super lean body fat percentage, he doesn't look saucy, right? And this is a phenomenon that I want everybody to take into account because I was thinking about this. Um, Greg O'Gallagher from from Kino Body will post these amazing transformations. And I think most of the guys that he posts are natural. Um, A guy he posted yesterday, maybe I'll go into this next week, He. Greg was getting a lot of questions about whether or not he was natural. Um, And it brings up this idea that if you lose a bunch of body fat, if you really get down to 8% body fat while retaining muscle, not just like stripping it all down recklessly and doing uh, crash dieting over the course of a couple months to just get crazy lean by eating nothing and fucking yourself up like that. If you actually put on the muscle mass and strip it down slowly over time in a controlled, intelligent way, it's really the leanness that makes people look uh, like they're enhanced. Because when your waist gets that small and you have the cuts you know, in your abs and your obliques and your serratus, um, that looks much more dramatic. And, and then you get more vascular. And then you have the things like the striations in your triceps. Steroids don't create striations, right? They're, they're there or they're not and they're revealed by <clears throat> the low body fat percentage that you achieve through dieting. And I guess I'll just end it by saying, congrats, Johnny Hollywood. Let me know what you guys think. Is this dude natural, as he claims, or is he a fucking psychopathic liar? Let me know. And that brings up another, a lot of people have been asking me, a lot of people have been asking me a question, and Christian, you might know somebody who asked this question, they'll go, Mark, what is the best steroid to take for cutting body fat? What is the best steroid to take that I can just get ripped? And you might be looking at somebody who's like, 30% body fat. I'm not saying you asked that, but somebody you know asked that. (laughs) Here here is the answer to the question, what is the best steroid to take for getting shredded? It's this new designer steroid called a caloric deficit. No steroids will make you ripped, okay? You cannot out Um, you know, you cannot out-steroid a huge caloric surplus. So even if the answer might be something like tren will help partition nutrients in such a way that, and also raise your core temperature in such a way, um, or even HGH or clenbuterol or these things that are known as fat-burning agents that can aid and probably, you know, burn an extra few hundred calories a day, if you are determined to eat a caloric surplus, if you are 30% body fat, no steroid is going to make you ripped. The only way, like, the, you know, taking a steroid like Mastron or Primo or a DHT derivative um, like Anavar, Winstrol, they can enhance the look of you being ripped and make you look more hard and dramatic at a certain body fat percentage, but no steroid will make you ripped if you're eating in a caloric surplus. You can take tren and get fat. You can take Winstral and get fat. You can take Anovar and get fat. You can take Mastron and get fat. You can take any steroid on the planet in any combination and get fat if your diet sucks and you're eating in a caloric surplus. So the first step, if your idea is I want to get ripped, you have to get your diet in control and you have to eat in a caloric deficit and aid that you know with exercise and cardio but all the cardio in the world is not going to allow you to get shredded if you're eating in a giant caloric surplus either so really that is the only non-negotiable in getting ripped is eating in a caloric deficit bye bye all right we're going to end off with another classic this is why we can't have nice gyms this was sent to me by a friend at a gym that I frequent Let's play it. Okay, this guy's got 115 in the bar. Doing lunges, but he's kind of just doing like a boop, 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 boop. So, <laughs> yes, I'm picking on this guy. Does he have his face in the video? Nope. <clears throat> but I'm using this one because this isn't a grandpa that we're looking at. This isn't a guy who's crippled in some way. This isn't a guy who. Doesn't have full function of his body. This is a guy who's in a power squat rack, right? They have the platforms, uh, you know, with the bumper plates and all that. So you deliberately went in there <clears throat> when you could have just like, you know, put a a pre-fixed uh, barbell on your back and or grabbed a couple dumbbells or whatever. You You know, you chose this out. You know that's the right place to do it. You are able-bodied. You are in your 20s or 30s. There is nothing about you that screams... I'm a complete novice or I don't know what I'm doing or I'm mentally retarded and therefore have an excuse. This is just the guy taking the tiniest of steps forward to lunge and then actually doing more work by bending forward. Okay. So my question is always who taught you that, right? You have the intelligence to sign yourself up for a gym, you have the intelligence to go on your phone and look up how to do a barbell lunge. And no person on the planet is going to recommend to you, no fitness professional is going to recommend to you, what you're going to want to do is step out and then um, make sure your depth doesn't go below three inches and also make sure your upper body comes forward in a really cute way where you poke your chest out and everybody can see your nipples in the mirror. But it's got to be cute, right? That's the, the operative thing here. Is cuteness, right? We want to go boop. We're gonna step back and go boop, right? Are the boys looking? Are the girls looking? Is everyone looking because I'm cute and I'm lunging and I'm doing it? And it's my, are my glutes getting bigger yet? <clears throat> no, they're not because you're not providing any stress. How about you half the weight? Or how about you ditch the barbell entirely? Because that's really what pisses me off. Is this guy's in a uh, a lifting platform where people could be doing cleans, jerk, squats, deads and he's doing bullshit barbell lunges with 115 pounds when he needs to master his own body weight first. And you can do a lot with body weight lunges and jump lunges. You can fuck yourself up on them. Even as an advanced lifter, you can get a lot out of these body weight exercises. But this is an example of a person who needs to start there. Master yourself, okay, before you hop under that barbell. Can you even do the thing that you're doing with your own body weight? If the answer is no, then don't go with the damn barbell. I keep telling you people. You can't just go up to equipment that you don't know how to use and then take it from somebody else who wouldn't be using it correctly. And now they can't work out and you're doing a workout that's not even a workout. You need to go back to square one. You need to look up a goddamn YouTube video. There's tutorials everywhere. Buy a YouTube premium account. Is that too much to ask? I will send you 15 bucks and you can buy it and you can spend a month using my account, okay? Don't tell YouTube that we are sharing this account and we're not family because if you do, we could be in a serious violation of copyright infringement issues according to the NBA and the NFL and the MLB, all right? Peace.